Craig Montgomery. I'd like to welcome you to the Bosma Enterprises Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, I have Mrs. Jean Brown. How you doing, Jean? I am doing well, and thank you so much for inviting me. No problem. I just wanted to bring you back on the podcast because I know you do have a new book that uh, we're going to be talking about today. And I know you have a lot of other things going on that you do here. Uh, falls with, you know, just advocacy and just with having your own business and all the things that you've done just um, throughout the years. So, Jean, I just wanted to first start off with, um, you are um, visually impaired, correct? Yes, I am. I am totally blind. Totally blind. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been uh, totally blind? Oh, gosh, it's been years now. I lost my sight at the age of 23. Okay. Um, to retinitis pigmentosa. Okay. So at that time, um, once you found out that you had RP, um, what was your next step? Did you go through training for that, or did you go through any type of rehab to live with a vision impairment? You know, Ray, I think the first few years, I did not go through any kind of training. Mm -hmm. Um, I was losing my sight but it wasn't completely gone and um and then i finally decided i need more than than what i know to do for myself and so i entered into a uh, program where i was to learn braille and um, orientation and mobility and uh, the daily living skills and I got there, and part of the program I was willing to do, and yeah. the other part I was like, eh, I don't really need this. Right. Um, Braille was the one thing that I thought I could do without. <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and the Braille instructor was, was so kind, and yeah. she sat there and you know tried to go over the braille with me and after about an hour of trying to read one line i said i can't do this i don't want to do this i don't like trying to read all these bumps on a page right and you know i'll see you later (laughs) (laughs) um it was it to me it meant that i had to admit that I had no vision. Yes. And I was not ready to do that. And so um, I, I did learn Braille and, and I learned it very well. I, mm-hmm. I even, I've even taught Braille. But I don't think that at that time I was ready. Yeah, because, you know, once you get that, that diagnosis and really is really accepting it, yeah. More of it is a mental thing. Now you got to accept it and now you got to say, okay, mm-hmm. now I got to move on and I need to learn the necessary skills and things to be independent. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So after all that you went through, and what was your next step? After you um, went through the rehabilitation training, did you go to um, further education? What was your next step in life? Um, my next, well, <laughs> actually... When I found out that I was losing my vision, I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. 
with my youngest daughter. Okay. And uh, so I had a, um, I had a five-year-old, and I was pregnant. And by the time I had my my youngest child, um, my vision was completely gone. So it didn't leave me a whole lot of time to sit back and think about. And what am I going to do next? And, you know, who's going to train me? When you've got two children at home, all you can think of is I need to do everything and I need to do it now. (laughs) And so um, I took care of my children and I never stopped cooking. I never stopped doing laundry, never stopped cleaning. Um, life went on you just find an alternative way yeah. to do the same thing that you've been doing all your life it's funny how you actually uh you pick up things that you don't even know that you picked up like, that's oh, right you're gonna yeah. make a way out of some way yes yeah. yes and that's a beautiful thing right there so i was um you know trying to to help a you know young daughter with school work and Yes. Um, trying to make sure all her assignments were in. And and then um, uh, I was, you know, just trying to do everything that I thought a parent was supposed to do, even if she was blind. Yes. And, and, and I wasn't going to be defeated. And I wasn't going to have my children one day say, God, I missed out on this and I missed out on that because you couldn't see. Yes. I wanted them to look at me as a normal parent. And so that meant I had to go on and keep doing everything possible to, to make them have a normal life. So for those parents out there who may, you know, be blind or visually impaired, what kind of tips, tricks or things like that can you actually provide for them like when, you know, they're doing homework or things like that. You know, um, my daughters are both, you know, they love books and, and they have always loved books. And one of the things I made sure I did was I would have them, I would have my oldest daughter, for instance, um, read her favorite book and she would read it aloud. Yes. And if she got to a word that she couldn't pronounce, I would say, well, let's spell that word. And she would spell it. Okay, now I know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so then, you know, then I would tell her how to pronounce it. And she was very good at that. And, you know, loving to read so much, I would then tell her, okay, now that you've learn to pronounce the word, let's get the dictionary and look that word up Mm -hmm. and find out what the meaning is and how that word can be used and whether it's a noun or verb or adjective. You need to know these things in order to use the word correctly. That's correct. That is correct. (laughs) So those were some of the things that we did. Um, Math was a whole nother subject. Yeah. <laughs> but it was amazing how, you know, 
everything just kicked in that I remembered in yeah. school and, you know, in math. And, and I would tell my daughter, you know, let's add the, you know, add the numbers up and you write down what the number is and then we'll add the other column. And, you know, she was very good at it and I was very good at, at, you know, adding things in my head. And so I was always able to say, uh, nope, I think you might be right. one number off. Yes. And so she would redo it. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was fun teaching them. And, and my youngest daughter, uh, before she, you know, ever went to school or anything, I thought, well, I'll, I'll make signs. So I bought index cards that were all different colors. Mm -hmm. And on the back of her chair was the word chair. In her bedroom window was the word window. The, in, you know, on the bed was the word bed. Wow. Everything had signs wow. on it <laughs> until she learned them. She learned and, the word. Yeah. And once she learned how to spell the word, then it came down. And that was that was what she was most proud of, is that I can learn how to do this, and mom will take this one down and put up another one. And it became a game for us. That's, that's so, interesting concept. Yeah. So we, <laughs> I like we it. yeah, we loved it. We loved it. We had we had a ball. We made fun out of anything that yeah. that we did. It had to. It had to be something that was that was going to be interesting to them, and something that was going to educate them at the same time. <laughs> That's a great tool and definitely um, great words of wisdom to help someone else out. But you just gave me some information. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go home and do some things at night. But <laughs> just dealing with you know children and then you dealing with you know children and having to teach them is uh, is, is very admirable. I would say. Yeah. Uh, so, one thing that I know that you're heavily involved with is the National Federation of the Blind. Can you tell me a little bit how you got involved with the NFB? Oh, gosh, yes. I got involved in the National Federation of the Blind in 1982. Mm -hmm. And um, the way I got involved in it was um, Ron Brown and, uh, and his mentor, Paul Howard um, had uh, put their heads together and decided that we needed to form a chapter of the National Federation of the Blind in Indiana, in Northwest Indiana. And so um, Paul came to my house and talked me into becoming the fundraiser for the new chapter. And of course, that meant I would have to become a member and mm -hmm. and be active and all that. So it was, you know, it fundraising was something that I loved doing. I had been a done a lot of political fundraising, yes. and so I loved fundraising. And I thought, well, if I can help this organization out, then fine. Well. Once I got involved in it, I found out that, yeah, I was helping the organization, but the organization was giving so much to me. And it was actually a, just 
more than than I could ever give back to them. So could you tell, for those who do not know what the NFB is and what, what they do, could you tell a little bit what the NFB does for people who are blind, vision impaired? Sure. We, um, we're an advocacy organization that is nationwide, um, and we advocate for the rights of, of parents to keep their children. I don't know um, if your listening audience knows it, or not, but uh, there have been lots of blind people who have, uh, the hospitals have tried to tell them that they don't need to keep their child mm-hmm. and that they need someone to come into the home to help them raise their child. Um, there are also blind people who have tried to rent apartments and have been denied simply because of their blindness. There are people who have worked jobs for many years, and as soon as they lose their vision, they find that for whatever reason, the company has terminated their position. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard uh, being a blind person and thinking, I have the skills to do this job and then have a person tell you, well, no, you know what, you're blind and this could be dangerous or no, we don't think that you can, you know, that you can meet the qualifications any longer. And so they end up without a job. It It's almost as if the employee just does not care that that person might have a family to take care of and responsibilities that they have to meet. So how does the NFB advocate for that individual to keep their job or what resources would they provide? Well, the, the um, organization had, we have mentors in every chapter and every state. And what we do is we send out someone, it might be the state president or um, one of the board members or just a member of that, of that uh, chapter, but they will go to that person's job and advocate on that person's behalf, um, show them the techniques, show them the, uh, the equipment that the person needs to get their job done. Um, if they can, if they know how to use a computer, but and they used one as a sighted person, then we'll go in and say, "Listen, all you need to do is have Jaws put on this person's computer so that it will speak to them, yes. and then they will be able to do that job again." And mm-hmm. so there are there are many ways that we can go in and help. Yeah, I just think sometimes it's just really a lack of knowledge. It is. It's just ignorance, but not in a bad way. You just no. don't know. Yeah. And yeah. what you don't know, you have to be taught. So, that's right. And that's really all it is on that end. Yeah. But I definitely wanted to thank you for clearing that up for us. Yeah. But uh, Gina, we talked about the NFB. We talked about parenting. But I want to talk about your new book, Not Without Question. Yes. How did you come up with Not Without Question? How did you come up with the title? And what actually inspired you to write your book? Wow. Okay. Um, what inspired me to write the book was um, a number of things. I had 
owned a salon and day spa for 10 years and all of a sudden the doors were closed because the complex did not want to make certain repairs and so well let let me let's talk about that real quick you were entrepreneur yes so what motivated you to start your own business rather than looking for employment well i had worked as a model from the time i was 13 years old until um until i lost my sight and then i went on and formed a modeling troupe of okay. my own which lasted for a couple of years and and then um and then i've worked a few jobs in between um one was a job at bosma enterprises and mm-hmm. i did I was the front desk receptionist for five years. And I really enjoyed that, but I knew that it wasn't going to satisfy me for long term. So, um, so, so I. See, so look at Bob, they put the model up front. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something new today. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even so, know she was a model. <laughs> yes. And so I. Um, I went ahead and uh, started writing a business plan, mm-hmm. and I talked to Lou Moneymaker about that business plan, and showed him my papers and what I'd planned to do, and I told him I said, "Now, Lou, the problem is, is that I'm working five days a week. I need one day, just." any day during the week where I can make phone calls and I can reach people Mm -hmm. who have their businesses open so that I can get my business plan finished. And he said, not a problem. You can do that until you get your business plan finished. And so my hours got reduced from 40 to 32. And uh, and I have him to thank for that because a lot of bosses would not let you do yeah. that. Um, I went ahead and uh, got my business plan completed and um, submitted it. And vocational rehab um, helped me to get my equipment. I got funding from another source and was able to open one of the largest salon and day spas in Indianapolis. Cool, cool. Well, that's definitely admirable once again, Gene, because for those who do not know, there's a 70% unemployment unemployment rate nationwide, 62% just in Indiana alone. Yes. So sometimes you can't just wait. You no, can't you wait. Can't. You got to go out there and just go get it you sometimes. You got to go and get it. And being in, um, being in the fashion industry for so long, um, you know, beauty was something that I just, I wanted to stay in that field. Mm-hmm. And this was a way that if a customer came in, no matter how down they felt when they walked in that door, I could say to them after they'd finished getting their hair done or their nails done or getting a massage, you are absolutely gorgeous now. Yes. That's cool, right? I like that. I've seen something, <laughs> uh, I was reading online about 
I believe the ladies are from New Jersey, the Blonde Divas. Mm-hmm. You familiar with them? I've I've heard of them. Yeah, they do like a pageant yes, every year now. So it's just it's, they do. Yeah, it's getting out there. So yes. so back to the book. Not without question. So how long did it take you to write your book? It actually took about two and a half years, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I had all things, all kinds of things going on during yes. during the time I was writing the book. I had a, a, a three-ton oak tree fall on my house and um, had to move out for eight months. And I had a couple of surgeries that uh, didn't allow me to sit at my desk. Mm-hmm. But I have... Those were those were times that I got to sit and think about things that had happened over the years and pull them all together and just uh, really write what I hope will be a book of encouragement and inspiration um, to a lot of people. So primarily the book is really just about your journey, where you started from as far as blindness or does it go before blindness the book actually does not go uh before my blindness Mm -hmm. um i start the book um as a blind person Mm -hmm. and and i talk about the things that that took place during uh, during those years during all these years Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it's been uh it, it it's a book about the diversity of life the challenges, the struggles, the uh, all the different uh, tragedies that have yeah. happened and but it it ends in triumph mm-hmm. and yeah. not without question. question. You're gonna question a lot of things. <laughs> I don't care if you're blind or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, but mm-hmm. you know that's yes. that's definitely um, definitely a must read. Must check out. Thank you. Must check out that book right there. So how does a person get the book? Um, a person can get the book by going on the web to um, notwithoutquestion.com. If it happens not to come up that way, mm-hmm. you might need to put in www.notwithoutquestion.com. And you can um, pre-order the book, and um, the print copy will be available on February 28th. Okay. But um, those who pre-order the book might get it a little bit before then. Um, The editors are working on that now. So, um, you know, hope you all will, will read it, enjoy it. Passing on, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, um, let me ask you this: Did you think once you lost your sight that you would be here right now? No, no. But there are so many unexpected things that happen in life, and avenues that you never thought you'd go down yeah. um, that that take place in our lives, and 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 I'm just blessed to be where I am right now. None of this happened just because of me. Right. So I'm I'm simply blessed to be here and to be sharing any of the things that I went through. And they were not all good things. Yes. 
but they definitely were not all bad things. And they were, you know, they were they were things that will will brighten someone's day, things that will make you smile, things that will maybe even make you want to cry. But all of those things are a part of life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thankful that I was able to go through those things and come out on the other side saying, thank God. Yeah. Um, I, I did it. And I did not have to do it alone. Oh, not all days are going to be sunny. That's right. <laughs> like That's today. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I definitely appreciate it. You on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or anything, social media? You yeah. know, when you go to the website, uh-huh. you can also link on to the the Facebook um, to the Facebook page, and um, you can put your comments in there. Uh, after you read the book or before you read the book, just let me know how you like the web. I, I look forward to reading all of that and commenting back. <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that here. Definitely like it. Once again, they get Thank the book you. February 28th. Yes, yes. They can pre-order it uh-huh. now. All right. And you're yes. gonna, where are you going to be at in March? I know you got a book signing coming up in March. Um, I do. Uh, um, I'm going to be at the Holiday Inn downtown. Um, on March 9th and uh, having a book launching party. Okay. That information is also on the web. March 9th, mark your calendars. <laughs> Once again, I thank you, Jean, thank coming on, you. giving us all that inspiration today. Oh, thank you. Because I know you're going to bless somebody with all that information. <laughs> thank and, you uh, so much. I appreciate you having me. No problem. And uh, hope to talk to you again soon. No problem. All right. Once again, Please subscribe to the podcast and uh, I'll see you guys next week. Bye.